What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Today, Sean and I led off with golf again. Um, we talked about the Genesis Invitational, recap that, and then we made our picks for the up-and-coming Honda Classic. Following that, we talked NBA All-Star Weekend, and we talked about the state of the league in general, and then we broke down college basketball. Uh, March Madness is coming, and it cannot come soon enough. Follow us on Twitter, at Sorry Sports, and enjoy the pod. We will be talking to you soon. It was good, man. Um, I wish some of this warm weather on weekdays would carry over to the weekends, but uh, beggars can't be choosers, I suppose. Were you able to get out on the links or no? Uh, I did on Sunday, regrettably, because it was freezing cold, but I had a decent round yesterday. Um, Broke 90, so I'm happy with it. Good man. Well, we're going to actually lead with golf today, Tom, because... I think now is getting to the point where if you can pat yourself on the back for being a savant, I I think that we could lead this pod with you wanting to give me some flowers. Yeah, man. Good pick. You pick the greatest golfer since Tiger Woods to win a tournament. Great job by you. (laughs) He's hot (laughs) as hell. He's won three this year already. Congrats to John Rahm. Um, Awesome tournament. Uh, The no laying up guys uh, coined the nickname that everybody is continuing to use, the buoy. You cannot sink this guy. He just plays steady golf shoots uh, between a 65 and a 68 every single time he goes out there, and you're going to have to play some of the best golf of your life um, for the for the entire four rounds in order to beat him if he keeps playing at this level, which he pretty much has since the uh, – even before the U.S. Open that he won, uh, when he was doing that at Mirfield Village at the Memorial Tournament before he got COVID, that's when I really think he started to get hot. Um, he's the best golfer in the world. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, kind of like the Talladega Nights where he said, what did, he, what did uh, Ricky Bobby say? Where he's like, I'm the best in the world. I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. That's John Rahm. That's John yeah, Rahm for you. And Max Homa tried to play the best golf of his life and beat him, and he came damn close, but Rahm is just too steady. Well, the way I took it was Max Homa did not lose this tournament. Patrick Cantlay did not lose this tournament. John Rahm just straight up won this tournament. Uh, and what I liked about with Homa at the end, you know, he was getting emotional talking about how badly he wanted to win. I mean, that's the passion we want to see on the PGA Tour. He played his fucking balls off in this tournament, including all the way through Sunday. But, man, Ron, what I give him so much credit for, and I can see why he has that nickname coined by the NLU guys, is seriously, he, he looked like he was going to be faltering. I watched 10, 11, and 12 at – before I went back out and I was like, this is getting dangerous. And, you know, he's talking to himself. The body language isn't great. He's not hitting the best shots in the world, but he's, he's, he's saving himself. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Homa, if he continues to play this well, is probably going to catch him. And unbeknownst to me, Rom was able to collect himself and play, you know, finish out the final round as he has quite often lately as the number one golfer in the world. Yeah, I think he's officially the world number one now. Uh, Scotty stole it 
or didn't really steal it, but took the title uh, win in waste management. But I think Rom has taken over. I will verify that for you. But I see a lot of parallels between John Rom and Max Homa. Um, beginning of their careers, I think the thing that held the both of them back was their heads. Uh, because in that situation a few years back, like you said on whatever, 10, 11, 12, right in the middle of the round there, Rom would have lost his mind and just never would have been able to snap back into it. And he would have gone down a rabbit hole and never would have been able to crawl out. But since, like I said, Muirfield, where he was going to win it by running away 10 strokes and for him to have been told on the golf course in the middle of the round that he has to leave because he tested positive for COVID and go out literally two weeks later or whatever it was and win the U.S. Open, and he's just been the best player in the world ever since. I think between him and Max, who's won, I don't know, since 2019, five or six times, I think only Rom has won more than him. Um, both of them have just shown that their mental game is just as sharp as their as their golf game, and they're two top ten players in the world because of their mental game. Yeah, well, we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, hearing – Homa talk about the relationship he's built with his sports psychologist and turning off social media the weekend of tournaments and all that. And then, you know, you see Rom, and I think a perfect encapsulation of him, you know, showing this mental fortitude, Tom, is that putt he made on 14 and then the drive he made on 16. I mean, those right there, those are those are tournament winning shots. And to just flip that switch after what something, you know, so, so someone like me who is really getting to learn these guys and their trends and whatnot. If you were to tell me that he completely fell apart the way he was the way he was playing on 10, 11, 12, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, there's no way he's going to be able to rebound just like that. And he ended up winning by by two strokes in the end. And again, no, no problem with Homa. He played his he played his ass off. Yeah. And it all came down to that just close lip out for Homa on 18. And then he knew it was over. But yeah, I mean two top 10 players in the world going at it and then can't lay who you know how I feel about him. Your boy. He'll never win the big one. He's a baby. <laughs> Hell of a golfer, yeah, I but I, I just, I'm not a big fan of him. Um, no, I know you're not. I don't know him, but personally his game just, I'm not, he's just never going to win the big one. Max, I'm going to continue to root for him to win the big one. He's got a big one coming up uh, in a couple of weeks in April. Um, but yeah, awesome tournament. Uh, I really, really like seeing how Tiger played. And, and the reason for that was because the the clubs that you would think a – how old is Tiger? 44? 47. 47. 47. A 47-year-old guy would struggle with, um, and he did struggle with coming off that car accident. They almost – I'm not going to say they're you know, early 2000s Tiger, but I would say they're pretty close to 2019 Master, Masters Tiger, and that's his longer clubs. And – the thing that Tiger will be able to get back with playing more tournament golf is his short game, and that's what looks rusty in this tournament. Yeah, his, his putting, you know, that that was his biggest flaw to me where you know you know that I've watched plenty of peak Tiger, whether I was super into golf or not, and, you know, the putter is, is what clinches him many of his tournaments, and it wasn't there for him. It was inconsistent at best in this tournament, but – I mean, Tom, looking from, you know, he has the ferocity in his drive. He has the elegance in his swing. The the club head speed looks great. Um, 
his, you know, just looking at his his body language, his biomechanics, his, his landing looks great. His sta- his stability looks really good. The torque he's creating through his body looks really, really strong for again a guy who basically has a reconstructed ankle and, and right lower right leg. I was really impressed that he held up. Um, and I know he said today that, or maybe yesterday after the tournament, that he wants to play every major and then maybe a couple of other tournaments here and there. Can he hold up for four tournament for four majors? I guess a year is what I have to ask you because that seems to be quite the commitment. Where I think at this point, every time he says he's in the running, we're just going to be happy. Yeah, I think that's what we have to be happy with. Just the fact that this guy's even on on the course, um, and. I think Tiger is going to make more cuts than he's going to miss when it comes to these tournaments. But the four-round marathon, you can see that he tends to taper off on you know the back nine on Saturday and then the 18 on Sunday because, I mean, he was looking pretty good there. Um, the first two days, I think he finished at, what, minus three, minus four on Friday. He looked good Saturday, too, at least on the front nine. Yeah, and then I just think, you know, I'm not, I'm not into the, the biometrics of the human body as much as you are, but... You know, those are not easy courses to walk and walk in 18 holes alone. I mean, he said it himself. The swinging isn't really what kills him. It's it's the walking and then the swinging after the walking that kills him. And I just think, you know, on day three and a half to four, it, it takes a lot out of him. So do I expect him to win another major? No, that would be we thought 2019 was good. That would be literally the all time. He would eclipse Phil when he won that PGA is just one of the greatest accomplishments, if not the greatest accomplishment in sports. But I do think he'll make a lot of cuts. Yeah, I think he will too. And again, too, it's not just the consecutive days that interest me from, you know, just the ability of his body to hold up, but it's the staggering of times. You know, he was a late, he was a late, you know, tea time on, on, on Thursday and then an early tea time on Friday. And, and that's a very quick turnaround for a guy that it takes so much out of him and so much, you know, demand on his body to be able to just do that. Even if they were 24 hours apart, let alone about, I don't know, 16 hours apart. So I, I was very impressed with him again from just his swinging. It, it looked great to me. Um, the putting obviously was inconsistent and I'm sure he's, he's going to be working tirelessly at that. It's just his, it's just his endurance, man. And it's just how, how can his body stabilize that ankle and lower leg for four rounds, you know, four or five times a year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I don't know. You, you don't think he'll win another major, do you? I just can never count these kind of athletes out. We talk about it on our NFL pod with Brady and Rodgers. We talked about it with LeBron and, and some of the others in the NBA. It, it's it's a different sport. I get it. He's been through so much trauma physically. But, you know, again, I think if it's – I would be more concerned if he was talking about how on his putting, you know, he, he can't – he can't stabilize on that leg properly and it's throwing off his, his putter. I, I would be more concerned if he said when he finished his swing and on that right foot, it feels like it's going to give out on him. If he can just build up the endurance, like I said, four to maybe six, seven times a year, man, I don't put anything past him. Would I bank on it? No, but I mean, you seem to say that there's no chance in hell. Oh, well, that's strong. That is strong. Well, I you just said, said I don't... he's probably not going to win another major. Well, that's different than saying there's no chance in hell. I just, from your tone of your voice, it didn't sound like if you I, had a All right, how about an analogy for you? Because you know I love doing these. If we saw if we saw an absolute, what would you be more offended by? And this is, I just want to use this as an example to, to, to say what you're doing to me here. 
if if we if we were sitting at a bar, okay, and uh, a, and uh, an absolute a ten, a knockout, uh, smoke show, whatever your opinion of that is, uh, however you think, you just think that this girl is so hot, and I do too, or guy, yeah. we're not going to judge here, right? But whatever. And would I don't you, know what guys you think are hot. I would you talk about some of these guys on tour and. Would you, if, well, yeah, there's some good looking guys out there, but would you be more offended if I said, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to get her. Or if I said, yeah, dude, there's no chance in hell. I think it depends on your, the tone of your voice. Well, that's exactly right. And it's the words and the tone of the voice. And you said, well, you said there's no chance in hell. Now I said, I don't see it happening. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I just want that on wax because All if right. he does go I out there and win to it. I not do anything to you. It just yeah, sounded yeah. like I was hearing it that you, that you don't believe it's going to happen. I think there's a chance. I, I I don't I don't believe it's gonna happen. Is there a more than one percent chance? Of course, it's fucking Tiger Woods, and he right. hits a golf ball better than most people do anything else. I didn't know it was gonna trigger you that much. I'm just defending myself here. I thought that was That's a good a, analogy. It's a fine analogy. It was one that I'm not surprised you went to either. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Honda the Honda Classic and preview that. Give me your foursome. Give me anybody that you that you feel pretty good about this week. Well, I'm looking at the field now. Um, I'll give you a foursome. I'll throw something together here because it is this is not an elevated tournament. We talked about to combat the live thing. They elevated a lot of tournaments, raised the purses, and they basically, I want to say, pretty much made it mandatory for the top 50 guys or whatever you want to say to play, and this is not one of them. The previous two were, so... Sean, if you want to go on um, and look to make your pick while I'm making my foursome, I will uh, quickly text you the field because... I am actually pulling up the field right now. I just sent it to you in a text as well. Um, Thank you. you. I know you're new to golf, so you're probably not going to know too many names in this. Um, I, I don't really know how many top 50 players are in it, but I'm going to throw you a foursome here, okay? All right. First guy I got... Um, this guy bursts onto the scene, uh, skipped college. I don't know how the hell he got on the Corn Ferry Tour or whatever, but he hits the ball a mile, lefty. I've been following him uh, since he pretty much came out. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. You might want to help me out here. You, I don't know if you will either. Uh, Ash K. Bahada. Oh, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing for him. Um, just hits the ball a fucking mile and is supposed to be one of these tournaments he's going to break through. Another guy I got, and this is more of a personal rooting um, because he went out with a major injury um, and has a couple exemptions and needs to play well in order to earn his permanent tour card back. Um, and that is Zach Blair, a uh, big friend of your new favorite podcast, No Laying mm. Up. Um, been in a I lot of videos. He actually did a tourist sauce with them in Australia a couple of years ago. Um, I, I really want Zach. That's more of a willing it. I, I need him to play well. Um, and then I'm looking at another guy here. Um, where is it? Uh, not Eric Burns. Where the fuck? I'm trying to find Cam Davis. I think Cam Davis is going to win it. He's the best player in this tournament. Cam Davis is, if you, if I'm betting on anybody to win outright, it's Cam Davis. Um, and then, let's see, my fourth on the list here of guys I just want to see. Oh, Billy Horschel. I'll throw Billy Horschel in there. Oh, my God. I was literally just going to say him. That's great. Yeah, Billy Horschel, probably the highest-ranked guy here. If Tom Kim was in here, who I said I needed a guy from 
the um, from the area of you know the Asia area. Uh, he's he's slowly but surely going to creep his way in there to my fourth and my foursome. If he was here, I'd pick him. But I'm going to go with Billy Horschel. So if you want to give me one pick, go ahead and give me one pick. Um, can I guess who you're going to pick? Sure, Shane Lowry. No, I was actually going to go Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar. All all I know Matt Kuchar for is the fact that he won a tournament uh, in, I believe it was Mexico, and um, he he didn't have his personal caddy, wasn't planning on playing the tournament, decided to play it. His personal caddy had already had something previously uh, scheduled, so he took a a caddy from the from the golf course some random person and he ended up winning the tournament and word got out that he gave him a really shitty tip because i think the Uh-oh. purse was like you know five hundred thousand to a million dollars and he gave him ten thousand dollars but then apparently he made it right by giving him the the true percentage that you should give a caddy so that's between that and being uh a tiger woods i'd say just coattail rider. That's what I know Matt Kuchar for. So if you want to make that pick, go ahead. I've just heard the name. I know the name. It's a familiar name for me outside of the regulars. Um, and yeah, that's not great. That's not a great look. I'm glad he eventually <laughs> did right. But listen, you can't you can't do something like that. That's that's wrong, and that's a character assassination if I've ever seen one. But that's your guy, I'm gonna, though. I'm going to take him in this tournament. He's not my guy. My guys aren't playing in this tournament. I'll make another pick for you. Um, Eric Van Roikenen, very good player okay. uh, from, I think he's from South Africa, um, and he's got a great mustache. Um, so that'll be your second pick. And Lowry, you can throw in the field there because he is a fellow Irishman. Well, then let's just add a foursome in here. Yeah. So go All ahead right. and give well, me a fourth. Three. Let's go. Go down here. I'm trying to find somebody else I know, or at least I've heard the name. Let's see. I appreciate you trying. By the way, I want I want the fans to know that. Yeah, I'm make, I'm making an effort here. Uh, Webb Simpson, we'll go Webb Simpson. He was I like the first it. next one. That, that, that looks familiar. Webb so. Simpson, Harry English. We could go there. You could go a lot of ways. Uh, Harry Higgs, big boy, took his shirt off at the uh, at the um, <laughs> <laughs> the waste management either last year or the year before. Um, all right, so those are our picks. Those are on wax. I'm gonna have to. I gotta. I'm gonna have to re-listen to this and write those down because I already forgot my picks. Um, it's all right. It's not one you, of the main bets. Have you watched any of the full swing yet? I haven't had time to watch yet. This is that's going to be this week with very little sports going on. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, NBA. Have you watched more of it? I think I'm on episode five or six. I I haven't really watched too much. I may watch more tonight just because, like you said, NBA's on a hiatus and there's really not much else going on. Yeah, this is a good time to get that content. Honestly, man, I've been I, like I listened to the whole NLU recap today, a couple other golf things to in, in prep for this pod. So the content is there. It hasn't been the Netflix series, but I've been getting I've been getting my full share of golf. That's for sure. Yeah, NLU is doing it big. KVV adding him um, is pretty huge. Getting a real Big J journalist there. He's already written probably a million words for them between Twitter and and their website. You should check out their YouTube, by the way. Um, if you're ever oh. bored, and I don't know if you're a YouTube guy, I'm a big YouTube guy. Yeah, I go down um, the YouTube rabbit hole, no doubt. Yeah, I mean their tourist sauce is incredible, as well as they're strapped. Um, but I also like that just because I I'm a golf sicko and I love watching golf. All right, 
let's talk All-Star Weekend. Um, did you First question, did you watch yeah. any of the festivities? I saw the highlights and the clung. That's it. Yeah, I I am the same. I saw the highlights of McClung, and then on Instagram, I just saw you know a LeBron off the backboard alley oop to himself, and Tatum scoring a lot of easy points. I think they got to do something with this game. It's becoming very similar to the Pro Bowl. I know the All Star Game is something that's really hard to do. The NHL. I know we're not hockey guys, but you know those games are usually like thirteen to ten or something like. They, they don't try, man. I mean, this was a 184 to 175 game. Michael Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, said it was the worst game he's ever seen. Jalen Brown called it a glorified layup line, which is true. Like, I think we're getting to the point now where with, between load management and a lot of these guys not wanting to play anyway, I think a lot of them don't even care about being all-star. They want to be named all-stars. They take. They that do show up, so. too. They do show up. Because it's a I big party. Yeah, that's why they're not showing up to want to play in this game. So, I mean, I don't know, man. What do you have any ideas of ways that they could fix this, or are they, are we just getting to the point where this is eventually going to become like the Pro Bowl, and they're going to do some like play like some Pro Bowl games or something? I don't think they'll do that just because you can play a pickup basketball game and and not get hurt, and that's probably why they don't play so intensely because if you put something on the line and these players start playing intensely and then somebody gets hurt, then we're then it's going to be a complete 180. And and I don't think they're ever even going to go down that road. Um, I have to give the NFL credit. It, it didn't work, and it absolutely sucked, and I never watched the Pro Bowl anyways, but at least, at least they're trying, I guess, um, with the flag football and all that stuff. Um, but... For the NBA, I mean, Saturday night was always the thing, and that's kind of fallen off. Um, I mean, McClung had an inc- – that dunk contest, I have to say, I watched the highlights. McClung won it clear clear as day, um, but a couple of the other guys had some really, really good dunks as well outside of Jericho Sims. It's like, cool, dude, we get <laughs> it. Like, you could stick your arm in the rim. Like, how many dunks are you going to do with that? Um, yeah. But you know, I just I don't think it'll ever be it'll ever be the same. I do think it'll always be around because it is such a big deal. Like everybody who's anybody goes to All Star Weekend, unlike the Pro Bowl. Um, and I, I just think that it will always be around. But you'll never have you know the Vince Carter dunk contest or the Nate Robinsons or the MJs or even the I think the dunk contest kind of died after Dwight Howard and Nate Robinson and was resurrected with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon and then kind of died again. And I don't know, maybe every once in a while you have a Mac McClung again. Yeah. I mean, I think what's very symbolic about this, this all-star weekend is Mac McClung, who was absolutely filthy. I don't want to take anything away from him. He was awesome, but I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is a guy converted on a two way contract, you know, He's never played a game for the Philadelphia 76ers outside of people who maybe remember him going to having those, you know, YouTube videos of his crazy dunks and then going to Georgetown and eventually Texas Tech. Most people don't know who he is. And, and you know, we're not getting the brand names. We'll never get the brand names again because they don't want to be embarrassed. But I was thinking about it. Like, what if they did like something like a knockout or horse or some shit like that? Like, well, if you do game, remember, this game sucks. If you do remember, they did do horse during. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did horse for. Uh, I want to say two or three years. I remember Kevin Durant won horse, 
Yeah, maybe 2011, something. I don't know. Something okay. like that. I know, I well, know they did worse. Um, in lieu of the game. In the, well, no, it was part of Saturday night. Um, yeah. But... I don't know. I think the game will always be there because the players want to get out there and the first time all stars like your Lori Markinens and whatnot. Um, it's it's cool for them, um, and this voting does matter. I mean, like I said, when they get named Hall of Fame, that's going to be part of their induction resume. Um, no, but, no, no. I don't want you. To, I don't want you to take that away. Like like they're doing the NFL now. Like you have an All Pro team. Like still still name them to the All Star game. Still call them All Stars, but just don't have a game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I think it does generate a shit ton of revenue, and I think there's a lot of business done at All-Star Weekend. That's the thing. I think I would equate All-Star Weekend to Super Bowl week for the NFL. Hmm. Okay. In the sense yeah, that, like, fair. it's just such a big celebration of the league that it will never go away. I don't don't tell don't ask me how to fix the game, um, but I, I do think. Uh, and did they do – I don't remember. I mean, a couple of years ago they had this weird system. Did they just go back to putting the time up on the clock and going, or did they have that system where they did – you know, you had to get to a certain number? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I I believe that they were keeping it the same as it's, as it's been the last few years where they have to get to the certain number. So, I mean, I didn't hear anything about that changing, but I, like I said, I didn't watch a second of it. I just have no interest. I mean – these guys make so much money that I don't think money will motivate them. I no. mean, honestly, and then the the midway tournament, I think that's what they're going to struggle with as well is that they make so much money. What what do they care? I mean, these guys care about a, a, a few things. Some of them care about winning and their legacy, and, and they care about money, and they care about just living where they want and being happy. And aside from that, they don't care about anything else, and I can't really blame well, them. Well, one thing I'm def- I definitely took out of the weekend is that Kyrie Irving is going to be a Laker this this summer. There's oh. no doubt about it now in my mind. Wow. LeBron picked him second. They did their handshake that they did in Cleveland. I know a bunch of people say, oh, don't read too much into that. It's like the way he was courting. I mean, it was fucking basically tampering. Let's just call it what it is from the summer through Kyrie's trade request and all that. Like he so badly wanted him back. And I think Kyrie would like to be a Laker. I think that they'll figure out a way to get that done this summer. So that's one takeaway. The other is just, I mean, I don't understand what compels Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to say that them, you know, players wanting, you know, asking to be traded is a good thing, like for the league, attention for the league. It's horrible. If you're a fan of a team like I am with the Nets, you know, you're the best players my team's ever had. And then you want out one year into your extension. You're saying that you don't want to be there when you're the fourth seed in your conference and you're making a playoff push. Your second best player can just decide that he's going to ask for a trade and not play the rest of the season out. That's good for the league. I mean, listen, Katie and Kyrie, I'm not even holding any, you know, ill feelings. I'm pissed that they're gone. But, I mean, come on. How does that make any logical sense to you? I don't know. I think we're closer than further away to the point where it's just like, all right, every year, one year contracts, let's do a draft. Yeah, man. It feels like 2K. You know, like when you when you do the draft with your buddy and you, and you set up and you start their season, you play a couple games with your team, then maybe you make a few trades and then you realize it's like, yeah, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. The most fun part about this is the draft. Yep. It's basically what they want to do. Well, it's turned into fantasy basketball and, and 
Sean, I mean, come on, we're we're old men now. I mean, how many how many people are still doing the Seinfeld thing where you're rooting for the laundry? And I get it. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that fair weathered fans don't exist. Trust me, it was really weird being a fan of a team where nobody cares about you. All of a sudden, like all these fans, quote unquote, are, are chiming in. But I mean, at the end of the day, you do have fan bases. You do have season ticket holders. You do have people who care a little bit. And to get to the point where it's just like, oh, no, you know what? Fuck it. I know I committed four years, but before I even step foot on the floor in my fourth year or my first year of this extension, I'm going to ask out. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't like it. Not just because it happened to my team. I didn't like it when Harden did it with Houston. I, I don't I don't like it when a lot of these guys do it. It's getting to the point now where you can't even find a team to really root for. And like I said, if you're a team fan of a team in a market that's not the Knicks that has, you know, an incredible fan base and the Lakers and teams of that nature, you know, you might get one chance at a superstar in 30 years of being a fan and they might decide they only want to be there for three months. I agree with you, but I will say to this, I mean, the whole thing that spurred this part of the conversation was Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant saying this. And the only thing I will say to that is that, that my friend is the reason why you don't let the players run the team. Because LeBron James is a terrible GM, and all these guys but these only players care have about so themselves. much power, man. Harden had it in Houston. Hey, there's you know, a new CBA of, coming down the pike, man. I think there's gonna. Would you would you bet money that there's gonna be that there's gonna be a potential lockout and a missed season? Hmm. I don't know about that. Just because the TV deals are going to be so big, the cap's going to go up, and the players don't want to miss out on that kind of money that they're going to be able to make. But I do think that there's going to be some contention. And, it, you know, I feel like most fans, including us, are usually players before owners. But oh, yeah. it's getting a lot harder and harder to defend these guys. Well, it's hard to do it because, again, they seem to have a disconnect over who helps pay these television contracts and who helps pay their lofty salaries and all of that, you know, the Jersey sales, all that nonsense. Like it's the fans that are getting screwed at the end of the day, whether it be from load management or trade demands or players holding out or, you know, and these owners, I mean, you kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater by giving these players. I, I like the term power or player empowerment, but it seems like it's just, these owners have just completely crumbled you know, at the hands of these players to hopefully get them only to have them decide they want to leave a couple years later. And then you have organizations like your Knicks who obviously Dolan runs the show. He's not going to let any player come in and steal the show, but that means that those kind of players aren't going to go to the Knicks. So it's, it's just like, I feel like you're not, well, what's going to solve it though? I mean, the only way I truly, the only way I think you could solve it is if you, if, is if you give the players some fucking skin in the game and you give them some, some, some percentage based thing where it's like, yeah, your contract's non guaranteed. If you don't play or Kyrie Irving, you fuck up. Like, yeah, you just lost 20% of your contract because you cost us X amount of money for sitting out half the year. Those those players aren't going to sign those contracts. Of course. I mean, it's, it's at the point now where they become spoiled little, you know, some of them, not all of them, of course. I mean, LeBron James plays every single game. A, a, A lot of players for the most part play, play every single game that they can but in those instances like that they've they've just become the power has shifted way too too far and and to your point too players make terrible gms so when they're 
given the autonomy to basically tell the owner what to do with their money and tell the GM to basically abandon every plan that you're being hired to, you know, to make, to, to appeal to these guys. You know, I mean, you look at a situation like Houston, they gave Harden everything. And then he just decided he was going to show up fat and out of shape. I mean, it's, it really is pretty crappy the way it's been done. And I know the league's in a good place financially. It's in a great place financially. You have stars all over the place. You have young stars all over the place. There's great parity in the league. There's going to be even more when Wimbenyama comes in. But My I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I just I think I can totally understand the fans who say, you know what, screw this. I hate the NBA. I'm My out. thing that really kills me is that, you know, these players where it's like, Oh, we have to have we have to do right by the player to keep our image in the league. Uh, for like, look at the Kevin Love situation where the Cavs wanted to look good or whatever. And Kevin Love, I think, healthy is still an asset, and I think he's really going to help the Heat uh, when he gets himself healthy from that hand. But it's like, why? It's like these. Yeah. N- none of these players have given you any reason to believe that. They're going to repay you for that goodwill. They're going to say thanks and then do whatever the fuck they want. And then maybe they'll screw over the next team that they go to. And, and honestly, for me, it's like when you let the, when you let the players, you know, run the show or whatever analogy you want to use. I mean, look at the Nets, look at the, look at the Lakers. I know they got one ring out of it, but they're completely mortgaged over the past few years. When has that worked? It's like, I'd be much more interested to see an ownership or a team stand up to one of these players and be like, no, you're under contract. And, and, and what are you going to do about it? You're here for the next five years or whatever it is. And if you don't want to play, it's just like any other job. If you're not going to show up to work, then you're not going to get paid. And that is what it is. And I, I don't know what owner is finally going to stand up and do it, but it's like, what's the alternative to that? Oh, we're going to give into his needs so that our image is good in the league. It's like, okay, so the next player that comes just knows that they can get the fuck out of there too. None of these guys it, care. It's such a good point because we literally did talk about it with the Nets after the Durant trade. It was, well, you know, Sean Marks and Joe Sy wanted to do right by Durant because they actually loved him and they sent him to Phoenix. It's like, okay, A, Phoenix gave the best package, so that helps, but – what if they did say, you know what? Fuck it. We're sending you out to we're sending you out to Memphis. And you're going to enjoy it down there. Or they said play. The you know you're we're not trading you. Are you crazy? I mean, look right. at the I've got two examples off the top of my head that that worked out swimmingly. Kobe Bryant was was burning at Los Angeles to the ground going on Stephen yep. A Smith saying that he wanted to go to the Chicago Bulls or or he was going to go to the Clippers or whatever. And Jerry Buss cuz they were talking about trading him jumped in front of the train and said we're not fucking trading Kobe Bryant and guess what happened he got over it and they fucking got two more championships out of it and the same thing happened in Houston with Hakeem Olajuwon when he wanted to leave and guess what they told him no we're not fucking trading you you're one of the greatest talents of all time and a few years later they won back-to-back titles this is also why you have to give Steph Curry as much credit as any superstar in the history of this league, because two years ago, well, three years ago, they were awful and they drafted second overall. And two years after that, or one year after that, rather in the main COVID season, they were really bad again. He got hurt and they were, you know, uh, they were playing in a play in, they were a really bad team. And he easily could have asked out. He could have said, you know what? Listen, Clay's hurt. Our dynasty's done. You know, I want to have a chance to win more. And even though I love it here, you know, I, I want to go somewhere else. 
and he never did. And he stuck through it and he ended up winning another championship, you know, and that's just, you need to hit right with the, with having very unselfish, great superstars who welcome the challenge and adversity of maybe this season isn't going right for you. And we have too many guys in this league who, if they're, if every single wish and desire is not catered to, even at the complete expense of the franchise, you know, then, then these guys, then these organizations are going to crash and burn. I mean, my team did as well as they possibly could, but it went, we went from talking about them as a dark horse championship team to, Hey, maybe they can push a first round series to six. And it happened within the span of the month. Yep. No, no doubt about it. And that's, that's my only argument. And I don't see a change. I don't see, I don't, something needs to change really, because I think this league is, it's so popular and it's printing money right now, but it's also in flux. And I think people are getting really frustrated with it. So it's kind of teetering on the edge, but I don't think it ever will change. That's, that's really the issue, but it's just, it is frustrating to see because of all these trade requests and, and whatnot and, and nothing coming of it. Trade requests that get, you know, that, that they, they get granted and there's (laughs) no, and they're just, and I don't see any ownership group doing exactly what I said should be done where it's like, look, none of this, we're going to cater to the player has worked in recent history. So I'm just going to tell you to fucking play because I'm your employer and you get paid very handsomely. So go do your job. It sounds great, but you know, for very successful business owners and unbelievably wealthy people who have made their money, you know, capitalizing on other people caving into them. Look at Josiah. Completely helpless. Look at Josiah. I mean, what's he, what does he own? Um, fucking, What's the company that he owns? I'm Alibaba. Trying to, I, that's what I thought. Alibaba. So let's, uh, could you imagine in, in his real life work world, if he had um, somebody that was really important and very talented, and I guess you could say somewhat irreplaceable, like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving, maybe a programmer, somebody that's just very talented at what they do. Of course, he's going to cater to them. A little bit, but if they came out making the outlandish requests in the world that he knows, do you think that he would just give in to them as the guy who runs the fucking company? Absolutely not. So let's just treat it as black and white. Yeah, again, I think that the NBA in itself, between the load management, I know that started with Popovich, a very, you know, one of the top coaches in the history of the sport, in the history of American sports. Um, he started it, and then the players seemed to really enjoy it. And they certainly are not going to well, say on the second half of a back-to-back with a little bit of a tight neck that they're going to absolutely have to suit up and play. That's not. I think in baseball now too. Football is really the only sport where we're seeing guys play through these injuries, man. I think, it, and the other thing about load management is I think it's bullshit now because I think it's gone from San Antonio to those early teams that were truly analytically based where they had numbers to back up player performance and player injuries. And this is how many games they should go before getting a day's rest and whatnot. And now, first of all, I feel like there's more injuries and there's proof to back this up because I've heard it than ever, even with the load management. And also now I just don't think there's any rhyme or reason or any numbers to back it up. It's like, I don't feel like playing tonight. Well, we've had three days off. We're going to have this conversation in baseball season because there's nothing more frustrating, particularly with the Yankees who again are very highly analytic that 
will have a guy who's, you know, Aaron Judge will have three home runs in four games. He'll be hitting 5'10". And, you know, they're like, well, you know, we mapped this day out two weeks ago. Yeah, he's going to sit. And then he comes up the next game and he goes 0 for, 3, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But as a fan, you just throw your hands up because you can't try to explain it. Doesn't yep. Any explanation well, you, you know, come up with is not going is, is to be met well by the people who get paid thousands and millions of dollars to make these decisions. Well, you know, my, our, right, our stance on analytics is it's gone from being used as a tool to use as a crutch and as an excuse so for well bad decisions. Yeah, and, it's so well said. You know, the Yankees, I think, use it more of more as a crutch because they don't have a spine and they don't have a person in place to make good decisions because Aaron Boone is just a puppet and, and Brian Cashman is the puppet master. Yeah, um, you see the NBA, man. I mean, like, seriously, Kyrie Irving, like, if he just played 37 minutes the night before, you know, what's his incentive in the next, in the next night? I mean, what was that Laker game? They had LeBron and Davis sit. And the next night they go into Madison Square Garden, they both play. How is that fair to the Knicks? Like, that's absolute bullshit. They should both be playing. And how is it fair to Nets fans or any casual NBA fans that went into Barclays Center? You're not seeing Durant already. And again, these guys are getting hurt anyway. Zion Williamson hasn't played since January 2nd, and they load manage him like crazy, and he still pulls his hamstring doing God knows what. It's amazing. Yeah, man. And, and, and I don't know if we're the guys to solve it. I just... I just know something's something got to change. We're, we're in concert on that. A hundred percent. And I'm open to all ideas. Tweet us. As, I've already solved the PGA if they would listen to me. Um, go back and listen to that pod probably six months ago. So I can't solve every league. But if you have any suggestions, tweet us as, at Sorry Sports if it's any good. I'll mention it on the pod and give you a shout out. Um, I think there's going to be a lockout. I think at least mm-hmm. we're going to see a very, we're gonna see a very short season. Yeah, because the owners are sick of it, and the and if I'm the owners, if I'm any of the owners, or you know whatever, I, I, or I mean even the national, I know we got to get off of this, but like the, even the national TV, you know, you tune in on TNT or on ESPN for a marquee nationally televised game, and four of the top six players between the two teams aren't playing, and not because they're hurt, but because they literally just don't feel like playing, or the organization said, you know. Well, you know, you said you're only going to play one of the back-to-back, so I guess we'll play you tomorrow against the better team. You know, it fucking sucks. Yeah, no, it it's an un- it seems unsolvable. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think another thing is is that a, a, a huge one is that they should they should lessen the schedule. That is probably the most that is probably the most feasible thing, but they'll never do it. Yeah, I, I they'll just never do it. I wish they would, but I don't know. Let's go down to seventy games and everybody again, plays we every single baseball game. Baseball too. Bring it back to one fifty four, but they're never going to do that because that's you know eight games a year or seven more games that you're not going to get. Yep, oh, I agree. Get. It sucks. It does suck. Um, what do you think about? I just want to ask you about Ben Simmons before we move on. Okay, this is a joke. Just a joke. It's the biggest fall from grace. I mean, I think people forget because he's been very enigmatic the last couple of years, you know, holding out. Obviously, let's just start. Let's rewind back to June of 2021 and the the end of that Atlanta series. Um, 
that that was obviously just you know he he collapsed before everybody's eyes he wouldn't go to the free throw line he passed up an open dunk he was getting you know shots fired at him from his head coach and Embiid we have questions for years about could him and Embiid coexist right but he was putting up great numbers he was a guy that would constantly give you 18 to 25 points and these highlight dunks and highlight passes uh, and and all world defense then he holds out a camp requests a trade doesn't get traded only gets traded because my team had another disgruntled superstar that 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 his team wanted so you do one for one he he is he gonna play is he not gonna play doesn't play at all last year gets his back surgery comes in this year looks awful misses a little time has like flashes for a 10 game span where it's like okay it's not what he was but this looks promising He's talking about how he wants to finish fourth quarter, doesn't like how he's being benched. And now you have a guy who literally, the head coach, Jack Mullen, is saying, I don't, I don't know what lineups to play with him. Because you can't play him with Claxton together. You can't play him with other guys. He's ideally on a perfect team because a bunch of these players can shoot. It, it's, it's, it's unbelievably tragic, man. I mean, this guy is, he's nothing. He is not worth the last spot on a team right now and he's being paid 36 million dollars uh and he's not fun to root for at all uh even a little bit and i think that this summer the nets are going to have to attach some of these draft picks they got or another unfortunately really good player just to get him the hell out of there because it ain't gonna work it ain't gonna work anywhere i mean i don't know might as well just buy him out well, you can't do that with that money. I mean, I, I think the hard part with it is, man, it's just, if not now, when? Seriously, yep. if not now, when? He got, you, you don't have two, you know, huge stars on your team anymore. This can kind of be your team now, as weird and crazy as it sounds. I mean, you look at Markel Fultz, who's had a resurrection in, in, Orlando and the best thing for his career was getting out of Philly and I know he's dealt with injuries right but he loves basketball he's just had a hard time staying on the floor and he had to get himself right and I think being in Philly was tough for him Ben Simmons has no interest in playing basketball I know that's a popular narrative that Simmons and Rosillo talk about and other people talk about because I feel like it's it's the flavor of the month and everybody just has to say it to give their opinion I watch every Nets game that I can dude is has no interest he, he does not look like he has any interest in doing what it takes to make any kind of plays that contribute to wins. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I know you guys, your hands were forced, but it's it's a tough turn of events for the Nets. And honestly, this may be, there may be one more chance for him because people are still talking about the Nets. And I hate to say it, but the Nets are going to go off into obscurity, uh, probably the start of next season. Um, and, and maybe that's when he turns it around very quietly. But if not, uh, yeah, he's looking more towards done. I think people are starting to not talk about them now. And and for rightfully so. They have a bunch of nice young players, but there's nothing, if you're a casual fan, that makes you want to watch the Brooklyn Nets. I think Bridges, honestly, and I know we're going long on the NBA here, I think Bridges has a chance to be like the third best player on a title team. I think he's that good. I like him and Johnson. You know, I'm a big Camp Thomas fan. Nick Claxton should be a defensive player of the year, you know, top three finalist, if not the winner this year. He's been awesome. They have building blocks, and now they have assets. They, I, I like overall where the direction of this team can go when you don't have superstars, you know, 
putting their hands in the cookie jar and telling the GM what to do, but they're only good. They're going to be obscure unless they get another transcendent marquee talent name that everybody knows. That's that's because they're a second division team. Hold your chips. They've really ever been. Hold your chips, which you have a good amount of now for LaMelo ball and or Anthony Edwards, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about it. The Nets and Knicks are going to be jockeying for position for another one of these top players because they both have assets. They both have draft picks. They have young players who other great players might want to play with. And then it's just a matter of, okay, who, you know, who gets that player? Cause they will inevitably come about as probably as soon as the summer. Yep. It always happens. All right. Some buyouts. We got to talk about Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. How do you feel about it? You know how I feel about it. I think it's awful. I have <laughs> no idea why he would go to the, I have, well, I know why he would go to the Clippers. I have no idea why the Clippers want him. Agree. Uh, you you agree? I mean, do you see any way in which this works? I think it makes them worse. No, I would. Um, I would take Reggie Jackson over Russell Westbrook any day of the week right now, and twice on Sunday. <laughs> it makes no sense. It really doesn't. And it's another one of those. If you don't know the league and you just know the players, you think, "Oh my god." I heard people talking today. It's like, oh, well, you know, he can carry the load on the days that Kawhi and Paul George sit, or, you know, he can go through those spurts where, you know, he scores 15 points. And it's like, you just are saying the same thing that hypothetically would have been done in, with the Lakers. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Yep. And then Bleacher Report, of course, which as we speak, I've officially decided I'm going to unfollow them on Instagram and delete the app. Of course, yes. of course, Good they put you. up. Um, they put up a picture of, you know, the the three Kawhi, um, PG, and him, and, and and they made it look like as if it was Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh. Of course, uh, it's just, it's such clickbait. It makes me sick. They're as bad as ESPN. They really are. Like, who that knows basketball thinks that this is a smart idea or that this is a big three? Nobody. No. <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's brutal. I'm going to unfollow them and House of Highlights right now. I love it. Uh, while you do that, Kevin Love, you mentioned briefly before, signs with the Heat. You think that he has a decent amount to contribute, Tom. I know he has hand injury he suffered, and he fell out of the Cavs rotation. But this is a guy that can help, I think. I, I was, A, surprised they let him go. And this seems like the perfect guy for the Heat who just need one more stretch big who, uh, you know, can – deliver a couple clutch moments for you he's gonna be so good for this team in about two to three weeks and he's gonna have so many situations where you're just gonna shake your head that the Cavs let him go and again it's like oh well they have to do goodwill by him because they want to look good for what for fucking what if you wanted to say that to me in the 2010s or whatever when when people still believe that fine but now clearly the the theory has been debunked well it's the Heat really, really badly need him because they also can't shoot. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, and Kevin Love, we know, can knock down his threes. Um, Danny Green to the Cavs, so they say, well, you know, we we don't want Kevin Love, even though we know he can contribute. Let's go get Danny Green, who missed basically the whole season and then played a week for Memphis. I, I don't think he's going to be much of a contributor. What do you think? 
Nor do I. Maybe he'll knock down a couple threes. Hilarious how important people were making uh, it sound. Danny Green going to Memphis and how, oh, just wait till he gets back. It'll be the adult in the room and blah, blah, blah. And then they buy him out, uh, what, five days after all this shit was coming out when he played a week with them. Um, Memphis is in the toilet right now, by the way. They're awful. They're awful. Uh, I think if this season goes really bad, man, the rest of the way and their first-round playoff exit, I think they're going to drastically shake up that roster. Uh, yeah, I think there's only – uh, on that team, obviously John Moran I would consider untouchable. Um, maybe Bain. And I guess I would say Jackson just because yeah. when he's healthy, he's just such a talent. He could be – he could be a top 10 player in the league, I think his ceiling is. He is the guy where I think if you put him on the open market, the price tag starts with three firsts. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I and mean, another really good young player. Yeah, he's another guy who I know he bitches about it, but he should be considered for defensive player of the year. He was he was named an all-star, so he's getting his due. Um, but I do think Memphis, there'll be a firing there. Um Brooks Brooks should already be gone, but he will be gone, and and a lot of the other, a lot of the other players there. Uh, Terrence Ross to the Suns, um, cool. He's a shooter, I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, they they had they kind of had to nuke that roster, obviously, to get Durant. So you fill in Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges with T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross. Not great young players, but these are savvy vets. Um, I actually thought Kevin Love was destined for Phoenix, but Ross, I think, is good. T.J. Warren's going to help him, and again, everything hinges. If you have Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker on, and DeAndre Ayton, too, on the same floor, and they're all healthy and cooking, they, they can just break basketball. You don't really need anybody else other than to just make sure it's five-on-five. Yep, no, I agree with you. And and honestly, I think that's very telling of the Kevin Love thing because I think if Kevin Love barely wanted to play but have a chance to win a ring, he would have gone to Phoenix. I think this shows that he's got something to prove and he's still got some left in the tank because he's going to play a good chunk for Miami. He's going to get those Dwayne Dedman minutes. And Dwayne Dedman, for as awful as he was, he did play a decent amount. So um, I agree with you. He's, he's going to have a big role there. And I feel like Miami got their guy. One more today, Tom, before we went on the pod, I saw a tweet that Patrick Beverly reached a buyout and he is going to sign with the Chicago Bulls for the weirdest team and the ultimate doubling down team that I saw literally, I think it was Woj who tweeted, the Bulls are bringing in Patrick Beverly for their playoff push. Playoff push to what? The nine seed? Like, playoff push. This team is going nowhere fast. They're awful. Yeah, they're between them and Atlanta, and they and the Bulls have been this like this for the past two to three seasons. I just I don't get it. This one just doesn't add up. Like on paper, they should be a top seven eight team and they're in eleventh right now on a six game losing streak pre all star break. They're a bad team. Uh they're a bad team and there's bad body language amongst that team. It goes to show you it doesn't really matter the names uh all year and really dating back to the second half last year, they have been nothing that we thought that they could be. And obviously unfortunately it starts with Lonzo who's just never on the court. Yeah, and I don't think he's played a minute this year, and I don't think he will. 
Yeah, that's another guy. I mean, that's a, that's just it's a shame because he actually loves basketball. That's the thing with Simmons. Just for fuck's sakes, it's like if he actually liked basketball, like some of these other guys that have missed extended periods of time, I, he would be a, a tragic tale. Instead, it's just like he's he's a villain because it doesn't seem like he has any interest. Um, so I know we got a lot of NBA to talk, you know, post All Star break, but I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I just want something to, to fix with this league because, it's, like I said before, as great as it is and as fun as it is and captivating as it is, it, it's we're, there's a lot of trouble brewing. Yeah, I mean, we really poo-pooed the NBA today. Should we still go on Phillips Pod later in the week and talk NBA? I'm, I'm kind of depressed. Good plug. Uh, yes, I think we should uh, because you and I, after three days, will want to talk NBA again because we love it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Another sport that we love that I still have to fully ingratiate myself into and get into this season, that's NCAA basketball. I've been watching a lot of like fringe mid-major teams just because they're the best ones to bet on because Vegas doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. But uh, with that being said, the new top 25 is out. Houston is a top. Um, always makes me nervous when a team from, like I said, not a, a little bit lesser of a conference um, – makes you know number one and and if they can hold on to it but I think this team it just feels different and like I said a couple of weeks earlier um this is this is a guard league or a guard sport in the NCAA and they have two to three very good guards that can can win you a lot of games in the tournament guess what else they are Tom what's that Take a guess. What's a term that I, I made very popular on this pod in the early days? You think they're battle-tested? They are. They were a Final Four team two years ago. They were an Elite Eight team last year. They're a good team, and they go deep. Uh, Calvin Sampson has that team always really, really playing well towards the end of the season. So to match that great guard play. I'm curious when he's going to get a bigger job. I, th- I mean, that's his alma mater, man. I think he loves it there. Yeah. Sure, until somebody comes knocking. Sure, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's been some inquiries, right? Like, he's been doing this for a while down there, at least I four agree. or five years. I know, but the ACC's been down this year, and one of those big blue-chip programs might come knocking. <sighs> yeah, you wonder how long John Shire and uh, and Hubert Davis can, can keep those jobs. Although, Hubert Davis got them to that. He went to a title game, didn't he? Last year, so, yeah. Yeah, but they have short memories in Chapel Hill. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, unless it's trophies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so the top eight all won this week. We did have that, or this past weekend rather, we did have that flip at the top two. Houston went to one, Bama went to two because they lost during the week last week. Um, but Baylor lost to Kansas. Tennessee was upset by Kentucky. And in a game like that, I, I was able to watch a tiny bit of this game. And it, it really says, you know, Kentucky was unranked, but they have as much talent as anybody. I, I would they not always be shocked. do. I know, but but it really does show because they played Alabama tight, they played Tennessee really tight, and those are two of the top teams in this country. I'm not gonna I'm gonna call it right now. I would not be shocked if Kentucky's in the SEC championship game after winning through uh, going through a couple of wins in the SEC tournament. Oh, I agree with you. And then they're going to lose in the first two rounds of the tournament like they do every year because when it comes to nut crunching time, Calipari doesn't know how to draw it up and he's freaking out on the sidelines, which I've been screaming about since the birth of this pod. 
you have had that very strong take and it has held up. It's aged like fine wine. I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, how can you be? How can your players be composed when the guy that's calling the shots is freaking out and jumping up and down on the sidelines with with four minutes left in the second half? And how can you expect any kind of continuity when you have a brand new roster every year? That too, that too. The one and done has kind of been. I don't want to say. I mean, there has been a few successful years, but not as successful as it should be. No, and I'm excited for that to be done. I'm excited for in a few years when the NBA is able to go with high schoolers again. Cause, and the G League now. You know, the G League wasn't a thing back when they implemented this rule in like 2006 or seven. So um, I think it's going to make college basketball better because there are, there are fans of programs, like I said. I mean, you got your North Carolina faithful, your Duke faithful, Syracuse, even your Johnnies and my Huskies, you know, those those fans never leave no matter who's playing. And it, it is hard to know that every single year you're getting a brand new freaking team. Um, but, Tom, we have two weeks left in the regular season. So I'm going to run through these conferences and I'm going to just ask for your prediction and eventually who's going to win this. And then we'll reconvene once the uh, conference tournament start. But in the ACC, who do you got? Uh, in the ACC... It's probably a boring pick, but I think UVA is going to win. I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I just think they're the Clemson best team. Had, Clemson had a bad loss, and Miami's 22-5. and five. I agree. I think Virginia's the best team. Yeah. In the AAC, Houston's a wash. Um, so oh, I didn't know. That. Are we going over all the millions of conferences? No, just them, because they are considered <laughs> one of the bigger conferences. Big Ten, this one's really interesting. It is. It is. I mean, who's the highest ranked team in the Big Ten right now? Is it uh, Purdue? Is it five? Mm. They lost two in a row towards the end of last weekend and early this week. Last I know, week. but then, but then, judging by this, if I'm not missing anything, the second best team in that conference, according to the rankings, is Indiana. Nineteen and eight to Purdue's twenty-four and four. I, this yeah. is this is going to be one of those situations where. The good teams will beat up on each other in the bracket, and Purdue will just waltz to the Big Ten Championship. Purdue does scare me, though. They, they do in the me. tournament. In the, in, the, in the actual real tournament in March Madness, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Big 12, Wills, Kansas Jayhawks is the number three team in the country. Texas is right there at 21-6 and six behind Kansas is 22-5. and five. It's tough to bet against Kansas in the Big 12 championship. I feel like they win it every year, so I'm going to stick with them. Baylor's right there, too, at 20-7. and seven. They are. Very good team. They're long. Uh, I like Baylor a lot. Um, and, again, they have they have a lot of good guard and wing play. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to bet against Kansas when it comes to a Big 12 championship. They seem to win it every year. In the conference you and I care about the most – Who's the best team in the Big East, and who do you feel best about in the Big East? Maybe they're the same team. Um, winning, I'm going to mm. pick, believe it or not, they're starting to turn it around like they were at the beginning of the season. I'm going to pick, to win the tournament, I'm going to pick your UConn Huskies. Whew. But I, I think the best team for me from watching the Big East this year I know they're not ranked as high as Marquette, but Xavier's the best team. The Fremantle injury is the only reason yeah. I have a little bit of concern. Um, 
I is really he done like for the year? Marquette. No, but he's he's still missing time. They they have not said whether he'll be back in time for the conference tournament. Or I just not. love uh, what's his name, Soli Bohm. Oh yeah, Bohm. He's a beast, man. Yeah. Um, I like this Marquette team. I just I I I like Xavier too much. I just see them win. And and another dark horse right there, right nipping at UConn's heels. We've got Creighton and we got Providence. Mm-hmm. This conference is loaded. I wouldn't be shocked if any of them are the champs at MSG. And of course, St. John's has fallen off of late. UConn at St. John's at the Garden on Saturday, trying to get a little revenge from your win in UConn last month. 6-11 and 11 in the fucking conference. It's like you guys get off to a great start every year, and then you just fall apart when conference play starts. Let's start recruiting better fucking players. They got one guy signed in the top 100 next year. And it sucks, too, because... You know, you had that great win against Providence, and you don't follow it up with any momentum. That was that could have been a real turning point in the season. I mean, listen, no disrespect to um, what's our head coach's name? I can't even think of it. Richardson. Um, but he's like a Thank mid, he's like a Midwest, you know, whatever guy, right? Isn't he from like the south of the Midwest? Yeah. Like let's I think bring he's in from Arkansas. Yeah, like let's bring in somebody that fucking can preach about. New York City basketball and whatnot and get some recruits in here. I'm sick and tired of these they fucking... Tried that, they tried that with Mullen, man. Uh, Mullen wasn't a head coach, though. Let's get somebody that was a... F- Mullen spent a couple years in Golden State's front office, and I don't even know what he's doing now. Let's let's get a real New York City... Like, UConn went out and got a guy who went to Seton Hall. Yeah. That is Biggie's fucking basketball. And he's getting guys that, yeah, maybe they're outside of book night. Maybe they're not first round NBA talent every single player. Oh, Jordan Hawkins is going to be drafted in like the back end of the lottery this year, man. I agree with you, but he's he's recruiting a bunch of guys that will be very good four-year players, if not and then a, one or two lottery picks, right? And that's what that's what you have in the Big East. That's the epitome of all these guys, even the Villanova teams. I mean, you had your DiVincenzos and Brunson wasn't a Brunson was a four-year player, you know? Yep. Bridges yeah, was a three-year player, like three years. right? Like let let's get this. Let's get our top fifty recruits in here, one or two of them, and then build around that with a couple of three stars, four stars, like they had back in the day with fucking D'Angelo Harrison and Sir Dominic Pointer and Phil Green and Rasheed Jordan. I mean, Rasheed Jordan. I, I'm gonna cry over him. The guy's in fucking prison now for attempted murder, and he was our lottery pick. <laughs> it's not what you want. You even had Ron Artest. We we had Ron. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, those those we are not getting those recruits. I mean, we're getting fucking graduate transfers that are here for ten minutes, and there's no continuity between the team. I got a name for you. Obviously, Slick Rick is the name you really want, but mm. I, I don't know what's happening. No, Mark Jackson, former Johnny, New York basketball head coach in the NBA. It's an interesting name, and I wouldn't be opposed to it, given the fact that we're just sitting in neutral as not the you know we're not we're not the Paul in the Big East, but we're also obviously not UConn, who's really made a come up in the last two three years, and we're not Villanova, who's a blue chip program. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's just I worry about those NBA guys coming in and recruiting and shit. I hear you, man. It's also tough. <laughs> 
you know, those those Catholic schools that, that haven't been great in a really long time, it, it's how how desirable is that for some of these players? I mean, I think UConn's better because there's a lot of these players that are that were kids the last time UConn won a national championship, which was nine years ago. Uh, it's it's tough when you're, I just think you know, I think when these kids from the eighties. I just think when these first of all, we we should do what you know um, LSU does in recruiting for for football, where they just put and in their heyday they put a barrier around their recruiting territory. People shouldn't be getting out of fucking unless they want to leave the city. People should not be getting out of you know the boroughs from St. John's. Period. We should be able to recruit city kids. And also, like, I understand it if somebody doesn't want to go to a Providence or a Creighton or some of these, you know, Catholic colleges in a in a less, I guess the word is, cool area, right? But this is, I mean, none of these coaches use New York City as an asset. You get to play at the Garden most of your home games. Yeah, ha- at least half of the home games are at the Garden. And it's like they don't use any of that as a recruitment tool. No, they don't. They should, and they don't. Um, I also don't think that they've been able to establish an identity. No, you not know, at all. It's, it's emblematic of the Knicks, really. Mm-hmm. It's You bring in guys that you think could work, and you're trying, you know, are we a run-and-gun team? Or are we an athlete's team? Like, what are we? We're trying to sell Madison Square Garden. But it's like, hey, if I have the choice between playing in, you know, at Xavier – knowing that I'm going to come to the garden every year in March, you know, or play you once, once a year at the garden and then go back for the big East tournament. Like, but the thing is, but the thing is Xavier has been a program that by their head coach has been built over a few years. And that program was built. It wasn't just thrown together. Well, it was, it was Miller and then he left and Mm -hmm. then it was, uh, who was it? Was it Cronin? It was It was another one of those top coaches, and then Miller came back. And yep. these are great coaches that, you know, establish an identity. St. John's doesn't have an identity of what their program or, or what their basketball program is. Exactly. So it's a shame. Uh, maybe in my 40s they'll be good. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> maybe Patino's kid will come here. I don't know. There you go. There, that's something to hang your head on. And last but not least, we got – Barn burner in the Pac-12. UCLA is ranked fourth in the country in the AP. Uh, they're twenty-three and four, and nipping at their heels at number seven is Arizona at twenty-four and four. Uh, these are two elite teams. Wouldn't be shocked if either of them were in the Final Four. But how do you see this Pac-12 eventually ending? UCLA is going to win. Yeah, that's just based off one guy, and that's Jacques. Yep, he's just, and Campbell. Yeah, Campbell too. He's a beast. Um, yeah. We got two more weeks. SEC the Alabama, by the way. I don't know if you mentioned them, but Alabama to run away. Oh yeah, that's right. The SEC. Yeah. You going Alabama. with Kentucky? No, I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to win more games than people think. But I think it's either Alabama or Tennessee. Tennessee scares me sometimes, though. Man, they can't. They go through periods where they just can't score. Yeah. No. They, that reminds me of my team. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't like them as a tournament team. They haven't given you a reason to feel good about them as a tournament team. They've been early round exits a um, couple of years now in a row. Um, two two weeks left, four games left really for each team, and then 
we're in the best time of the year with conference tournaments and, and March Madness. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for spring and summer on the East Coast. The Masters and, and March Madness really really are when basically the calendar starts to turn over and it starts to get a little warmer, and then you're reminded and – when I start telling everybody, oh, I'll never leave. I'll never leave the. I'll never leave the Northeast. It's summer in the Northeast is the best. And then you get to winter, and all you talk about, you look at the weather in fucking Florida or Texas or North Carolina every day, and you want to kill yourself. Yeah, you pull on me and say, I, I don't have the mental fortitude to do this anymore. I'm out. I know, but I mean, come on, a winter, a, a summer in the in the in New England and and New York. Can you beat it? It's hard to, particularly the end of the summer, early fall. Like that's the hot spot. That that like late August into Labor Day, that time into like that's that's the best. Um, even that spring into summer, that June period, it's it's beautiful up there. There's no doubt about it. There's my su- just there. talking about it lifts my seasonal depression just for a second. Oh, good. Just well, so we much to do. do is, well, next year for your for your bachelor party, we're getting you out to Phoenix in February for the waste management. Um, you know that that's got to happen, and then you know you're always welcome down here uh, to to escape some of that terrible weather. Uh, we're getting our spring right now. Every day for the next like ten to twenty days is like mid seventies, which is perfect. So. Yeah, there's nothing to complain about there. No, last year we literally didn't have a spring. It was like cold, and then we our first hundred degree day came in came in uh, April. Wow. Was, we got like a hundred straight days of a hundred degrees. So I'm always I a could, summer summer first guy, so I would trade a I would take a hundred degree day right now. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Come on down, man. You got a couple more weeks. You can definitely play golf here. Well, that's free. once you get into golf. I mean, I don't know if we have to get a we're we're branching out more into golf. We let another podcast with golf. Um, I mean, maybe you know you get more I into find golf. It captivating, but I haven't found it. Like pulling at me to want to play. Once we get a club sponsor, we'll get you a couple lessons. See, that's it. If it's free, I'm in. I'm I'll snare for that. But well, that's what I'll do. Is you get in free, you get addicted, and then you'll pay whatever you have to. I like golf attire. I like golf. I like watching golf. I like talking golf with you. I like the culture around golf. I just don't feel like wanting to play. It's kind of like I do baseball. Like I love baseball. I played it growing up, at least, but like, I never have a desire to like go grab the go grab. Well, who who does that after 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 you hang it up and you officially retire? Nobody, who the hell wants to do it's that? Still one of those things where it's like, I love baseball, but yeah, it's just yeah, it is what it is. That's just because you haven't had a great round of golf yet. That's all. No, I think the last time I played a round of golf was probably like sophomore year of high school. Well. Listen, when we get some, when we have, you know, you and I down there, it'll be good company. It'll be a good time. And um, I'll try not to have a meltdown. I've been very mature this year. I haven't broken any clubs. My friends will vouch for that. I've really, I've composed myself. You know, I think that, you know, you're at a good point in life right now where you, you look at things a little bit differently. You don't have these irrational outbursts anymore. I'm proud of you. Well, yeah, the other way you got to look at it, and this is advice to any of the golfers out there that are just, you know, you're, you're, whatever like me your your mid teens handicaps if you will or or above that what what are you you hit a bad shot okay cool what are you getting mad at like what do you expect to get out of this it's not like you're 
you're a professional where you're at the range every day and you're playing nine holes, 18 holes of golf every day, you fucking suck. So, so what do you expect out of this? You expect to do nothing and just show up and be great. So what are you getting mad about? Yeah. I mean, I think for, you know, how you play is that's, it's all about the experience and it's just like taking those incremental steps at getting better. You're not like, I'm going to shoot a great round today and all of a sudden I'm going to boost my handicap by four or five strokes. Like it's no, no, not at all. And, and that's the thing. You just, you can't get mad about it. You don't see the, you do see the pros throwing clubs, but because they're the best of the best, they expect to be great. So when they go through their bad times, they can't say, well, it's not like I haven't done this before. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, I do expect to get better, but if I haven't fucking put the work in, what do I, what, what, what should I expect? I do love watching some of these guys though, man, just get into the grooves where you just know every, every, every drive is going to be great. Every putt is going to be, is going to be there. The short game out of the bunker, you know, out of the rough. I mean, even from fairway to green, it's going to be precise. Like you just see these guys get in their zone. You, you, you wonder when they're ever going to make a bad shot. It's like those dominant pitchers that go on those runs of like consecutive scoreless inning streaks where you're just like, the batter knows what's coming. You're just, it's not going to get hit. Yep. No, it it is awesome to watch. And, and I was thinking, you know, the best thing about golf is too, you know, you want to, we want to keep up with the NBA and all and and whatever. It's like golf and the NFL are the easiest to keep up with because you know the days that it's happening, and also you can watch all the golf and you don't have to pay for all the extra shit. Very true. I can't watch um, a Sacramento Kings game unless I buy the league pass. I can't watch a. San Diego Padres game unless I either illegally stream it or I buy the ticket. So that's what's great about golf is you can watch every single important tournament on the golf channel, which is included. And you can watch every single important football game pretty much between NFL Network and and the major channels. Yeah. Yep. So we're trying 100%. to save money. That's why we're branching out to golf, everybody. That's truly the only reason is because we don't want to spend money on league pass or MLB extra innings. Yeah, I mean, I use my buddy's MLB account down here for the Yankees, and then I have league pass. It's just like, all right, sucks having to pay for it, but it is what it is. You're right. Maybe, Maybe well, KD's, KD and Kyrie are gone. Maybe think about canceling that league pass. Nah, man, I like my, t- I like my team. What can I say? <laughs> I'm committed. And there's some rough weeknights in the winter where, like, you get home and it's like, Oh, thank God they played tonight because I have. There's really nothing else. That is true, and at least you're in that spot where you can do that. I can't. I can't watch. I mean, it's crazy. I can't watch the Knicks no matter what. I can't watch it on League Pass because it's blacked. It's blacked out. I can't watch it on Hulu because they don't have MSG, and I can't use the MSG app because I'm not at my mom's house where the M- where the location thing is supposed to work. Dolan coming through for you again. That's my boy. Oh yeah. Well, Tom, you plugged it earlier. You want to say it one more time where people can hear us later this week? Yeah, I believe on Thursday we will be doing uh, another NBA, I guess, halfway-ish mark season recap on uh, Mike Phillips' pod, Just Send the Suffering. Um, We will be on there, and then I'll re-plug it and probably retweet it um, later next week. So if you haven't gotten tired of our pretty much exclusive NBA and PGA content of late, uh, don't you worry. We got more NBA coming for you later this week, but Tom college basketball, like I said, just a little bit more to go. Uh, not a prestigious event this week with golf, but still entertaining nonetheless. And then 
NBA is back on Thursday night, so we'll be we'll be ready to go and kick it into March Madness, baseball, and then eventually the Masters. Absolutely, um, great pick by you with Rom. But Thank you. the true greats do it every week, so we'll see if you can do it. You know, start your streak two weeks in a row. Yeah, I feel better if the field was a little better. But hey, listen, we got to deal with the somebody's got to win that tournament. Out. Somebody's got to win that tournament. But yeah, it's interesting, and I appreciate you sending me all the golf content to get me up to date. I, I have enjoyed following it. I have enjoyed getting more into it. Um, more sports is always good, right? Yes, sir. Especially this time of year. No doubt. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week and uh, catch us on the Just End the Suffering podcast later on this week. Tom, good job by you. Good job, everybody. Later.